Ah, you're listening to Garrett. Oh. <laughs> Jesus, Garrett. We are listening to Garrett. Hi, <laughs> uh, this is Garrett Wong, Ensign Harry Kim from Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to Trekmate. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Trekmate podcast. Its continuing mission to entertain, enlighten, educate, and talk all things Trek. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack all hands battle stations. Don't worry, we will get to the bottom of this. All right. Ask is a tall ship and a star to steer by. I don't want excuses, I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? How do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready. Hello everybody and welcome back. It's been a long time, but we're so happy to be back for everyone. My name's Jude Hawkins, if you didn't know. And my name's Wayne Emery. Yes, we do owe you all uh, eternal apologies for taking such a hiatus. It's one of them things that just life gets in the way. But then also, I, th- I feel that we almost got ourselves into a little bit of a, a rut almost with Trek. I think so. I think that's fair to say, you know. Yeah, with new Trek. And um, as time has gone, me and Jude have been wanting to get back to it and been itching to get back to it recently especially after podcasting with the engaged boys recently yeah it was it was a good uh, good way to start podding again uh getting on get on with those two and then just made us sort of say like we got to get back to this we were already starting to say that but uh mm-hmm. but as you said wayne like we were in a bit of a rut and it just i think for a while we'll we've still been talking but it just had to feel right with the pod. Like you didn't, didn't want, you don't ever want to force something like it's. It's supposed to be fun for you guys, the audience, and us recording it. And and the way the show was going in all those last few episodes, uh, we did. It was just the new track stuff. I think it's just got us down. Just where we don't we don't like to be poo pooing on it all the time, but we feel like we don't have a choice if that's what you're being given. Mm-hmm. And I think the last thing anyone ever heard from us, ironically, with what we're talking about today, was us being in actual shock that we'd both seen a trek that we really, really enjoyed. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was in so much shock. It's taken us six months to come back and carry on talking about it. But uh, we just had to consider whether it was true or not. Yeah, I, I've only watched uh, six episodes of Strange New Worlds. Um, and I love them. Like, they're all great. But every time I've watched it, I've been like, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the one that lets me down and goes, oh, right, yeah, it's just like Picard. It's just like Discovery. Yeah. But it, it it's not happened yet. And six episodes in, I feel like it's not now. I feel like we're, we're safe. Well, the funny thing, I am. I know it's all up online and most people would have watched it a long time ago. But I uh, am currently on episode seven, so we're about the same sort of mark. Yeah. And what put 
scared me on hold for quite a while was the fact of having to have Paramount Plus. Because if, yeah. if Strangely Worlds had just been on Netflix or Prime, I would have watched it straight away and given it its fair shot. And I would have most uh, undoubtedly kept up to date on it. Yeah. And that that probably would have kept the podcast going more because we would have been so much more upbeat about stuff going. But having it on Paramount Plus meant that it's another subscription service. Yeah. And at that point, there wasn't enough on there that I could really justify getting it. It was only when there was a show that my missus wanted to watch on there. And I was like, okay, then that's an excuse. I'm going to get this and going to really delve into strange new worlds. And I've been absolutely uh, loving it. I haven't watched... I still intend to watch Prodigy. I still intend to give that a go. Yeah, I'm going to go back and give that a chance. I only watched a bit of the the pilot episode, I guess you would call it. And... uh... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I hadn't realised that my seven-year-old son, he claims that he watched it with me and he loved it and he wants to watch it. I couldn't remember watching it with him, but that's what he says. Mm-hmm. So I'll definitely go back and give it a go, just for that reason at least. But uh... And and the thing is, if, if Cisco ends up enjoying it, that could be his gateway into the franchise. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely adores Back to the Future and I love that fact. That That's made me so happy this year that he's embraced that, so... And see why not. All Star Trek is someone's first Star Trek. So if Prodigy gets him through that door and then you can introduce him as he gets older to the stuff that he'll appreciate more. Yeah. Then that's amazing. But I haven't watched any of Prodigy yet, so I don't know what to expect. I know that Clive Burrell, who runs some kind of Star Trek, considers it mm-hmm. his favourite Star Trek. Favourite Star Trek full stop or just favourite new Star Trek? Full stop. Wow. I think it's full stop. From what I'd heard from the Engage Boys, I, by what they had said, it was full stop. Wow. I'm interested to see uh, my behind those curtains. And I, even though I don't find Lower Decks funny, I, I don't mind Lower Decks, and I will watch the new series at some point. I just haven't got around to it yet. I, I would say the same thing with Lower Decks. It, it grew on me in the end. You know, I just had to accept it for what it was. Didn't find it particularly funny, but liked all the references and the characters grew on me a bit, but I never got around to watching that that other series, but I will too. I will get around to it. Yeah, and, and especially knowing that um, of us uh, and Armin Schumann are back for an episode. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, so I want to uh, get on that and uh, watch that as well. And since we've been gone, there was also a new trailer for Picard Season 3. Yeah, just the shameless, like, here's everybody, you know, if you didn't like it before. I know we said we're going to try and be positive, but I I will give my opinions on the trailer because... It's very mixed emotions, isn't it? Yeah, uh... I, f- I felt that having all of the cast back is what they should have gone with from day one. Yeah, I agree. I feel that by they're shoehorning Brent Spiner back into it by yeah. having Law come back. Yeah. And m- what annoys me with that is the most perfect point to have Law surely would not have been season one when you had a whole arc based around evil androids. Yep, totally. Is, is your, would that not have made sense? Yes, it would have done, but uh, 
but I just feel like there was no plan. There was no direction. I feel like that trailer to me, and again, I'll keep this brief because I want to be positive Mm -hmm. about other stuff, but it just reeked of desperation. Yeah. But obviously, I love, you know, I still gets a pop from me going like, oh, Wolf in makeup, you know, this character, that character, great. But it's like, but really, like, a trailer is one thing, a program Mm -hmm. is another thing. And it's already proved I couldn't finish season two. Mm. I only got like one and a half episodes in before I was just like, no, I can't do this. You know, I saw Guinan, I saw Q, and I was just like, I still can't do this. I'm not some sort of little puppy that's just going to respond to a treat and just go, oh, oh, is that thing I like? You know, it's it's not that simple. Like, you've got Mm -hmm. to have good writing behind it and there's got to be meaning and it's it's like having your favorite chocolate digestive that you've always loved mm. but it's been dropped in dog shit yeah and then you're like mm, i still love the chocolate digestive but this one reeks of shit yeah so i'm just gonna leave it i'm just yeah i'm too too old and too i keep saying that about a bunch of things now too old and too wise to keep it, you know. And then the fan base says enough Labradors that will just gobble that up and still be like, oh yeah, it's still good. For now, yeah, those Labradors are still doing that. But, you know, I do question how long can those Labradors keep eating those shit-covered digestives? <laughs> Only time will tell. Well, one thing I'll say to bring it back to something good. Today, I did my first ever rewatch of an episode of Strange New Worlds because mm. we both just rewatched episode one so we could talk about it today. And uh, and it felt good. Like I, I've, It felt good watching it the first time when I was in shock. And the second time round, now that I've seen five other episodes and all those characters have had even more time to grow on me and actually have their backstories told to me, mm-hmm. like I really enjoyed going back and watching it. And it's just... So many good vibes going on with it. There's so much right with it. Yeah, I'm going to give you a bit of a spoiler here. I actually enjoyed it more my second time around. Yeah, because you know the people and and you're not like going like, this is going to be bad, isn't it? This is going to be bad. (laughs) You you already know that like, this was actually good, but now I can take it in a bit more. Mm -hmm. There, There is a lot of information. There's a lot of stuff going on in that first episode, even if you are aware of Pike and the, some of the other characters. Mm-hmm. And also, the, uh, on on my first watch through on this episode, one thing that uh, got my back because it was so good. And every there's a couple of times in the episode where it's like, ah, oh, Lieutenant Kirk's coming, and I was waiting for it the entire first episode. I was like, yeah, please don't ruin it. Please don't ruin it. Don't introduce Kirk now. And then it's like, ah, gotcha. It's Dave Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, ah, we fooled you. We're not going to do that. <laughs> no, that that was a very good joke. I, I think um, this series has got just the right ingredients for a perfect TV show or a movie, you know, where mm-hmm. got the right amount of story, action, you know, character, storytelling, comedy as well, you know, always with these little splashes of comedy that aren't too silly. Mm-hmm. There's lots of funny moments in this episode, and and those are, those are the things that were throughout Trek. It was a serious show with a lot of comedic undertones. Oh, definitely, through all our favourites, Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, TOS, yeah, all of it. And I have to say, 
I have not been disappointed. Considering how we was prepared, going into Strange New Worlds, after having Discovery, Lower Decks, Picard, we was ready for garbage. Yeah, totally. But my one thing that I always said was, as shit as Discovery is, Captain Pike was my favourite thing from Season 2. Uh, yeah, I did enjoy him when I was watching it, and number mm-hmm. one as well. Yeah. Spock, I was always like, oh, I don't know how to feel about this Spock when watching Discovery, but now I'm totally cool with him. Uh, I think he's called Ethan Peck or something. He is, yeah. The actor, and I'm totally cool with him now. It's like, now I fully accept you. The thing is, with when he was on Discovery, he was always shoehorned in. Totally. It didn't feel natural. They shoehorned him in uh, with Burnham. I'm just choosing to forget that whole silly storyline. Unfortunately, we're reminded of it a little bit in this episode. They do mention, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of points where we come back to whether they come back to any points later on. But uh, I, they mention it brief enough that I can be like, oh, yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, it was very brief. Yeah, it's easily ignorable. Yeah, well, saying that is kind of the premise for the entire first episode. Mm, yeah. So, but I, uh, but I can forgive it because everything else about this episode is such classic Star Trek. Yeah, agreed. And we're not just talking TOS, we're talking TNG. It takes flavours of... It does. Like, all the TV series that we love and talk about so much mm-hmm. and feel so good about, it. it's the feeling of all of them. Because it's all there. I get that straight away, because let's start going through the episode. Because sure. we open up the episode, uh, we open up the episode with Grizzly Adams Pike yeah. on... Earth. I can't remember uh, where is he living at that point. Did it? Say, it did say uh, Montana, Montana. Right. Uh, so and he's straight away when we see Pike in um, his house, and also like when he's out with his horse. I was just getting generations vibes. Me too. Yeah, thinking about Shatner and stuff. Yeah, it it was the Nexus. It was it was Shatner's cabin, like liking horse riding. And also, I don't know about you, but I actually really appreciated that they showed that they still use renewable energies in the future. They don't just run Mm -hmm. on dilithium. They are still using wind, the probably sea, everything else, the power, everything. Because why would you not use renewable energies when it's all around you? Agreed. Yeah. I thought that was nice. And that uh, we get sea pike. Uh, with his uh, uh, captain uh, girlfriend. It's another captain, yeah. Which is nice. Well, you say girlfriend, I feel like, especially after watching six episodes, it's like, it's a friend with benefits, isn't it? That's exactly what I would class it as, a friend with benefits. And she doesn't... Yeah. Also, she wants him to be out in space. She knows that he's... uh... Yeah, she's like, just get back out there, do your job, stop moping around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're not doing anyone any good kind of thing. Yeah. And and these are the remnants of what happened in Discovery when he sees himself become formed and everything. Oh, was that what, it happened in Discovery? Yeah, it happened in the end of uh, Discovery. You know, do you remember the um, uh, magic Klingons who had a temple that uh, they had like an orb that could see into the future? Yeah, Spock does talk about it in this episode, so I'll I'll just I'll just leave it as well. You can tell me what you want, but 
I won't go and rewatch the Discovery stuff, even if it's, you know, these characters. No, I haven't rewatched it either, but no, there's like this orb and that lets them see their future and Pike got shown the moment that he gets all mangled up. It's seven years, isn't it? Ten, I think. Seven years time. Ten. Oh. I think it was ten. Yeah, because uh, uh, Spock asks Pike later on, does he know how long? And uh, yeah, so it's uh, 10 years away, but it, it kind of made him question everything about himself, knowing his mortality, knowing his end, would, and, and he's worried that that would cloud his judgment as a captain. Yeah, I get it. I, I understand why he'd be hesitant, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's really, really strong stuff. Well, I just the simple throwback to, um, to TOS as well, the fact that we've seen him like that at one time. In this little, mm-hmm. you know, wheelchair thing. Because we've only seen him twice in TOS, and that was in the cage when yeah. he's in his prime, which happens before Discovery, I believe. And then we see him once he's his mangled up self in his wheelchair. Yeah. So I wonder if when Strange New Worlds comes to its end, the final episode will be where Pike sacrifices himself to save everyone. I hope so. I hope so, because it just seems like it'd be so easy to go down the route of all this discovery bollocks. Like, we could make anything happen. Like, mm-hmm. we'll just change it. We're a different timeline now. We're a different, you know, universe. Like, I, I don't want that. No. I want it to be what you just said, where he just accepts that, like, oh, I'm doing that because it's a good thing. Yeah. I'm doing it to, to save the many, you know. Yeah. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah. So, and the only reason why Pike gets back on the horse as such is because Admiral April uh, comes and tells him that number one was piloting a ship, uh, well, not piloting, captaining a ship, uh, that made first contact and hasn't been heard from since. It's it's only her name, but really... You know, when mm-hmm. at first, when the Admiral's just saying she and her, he's just like, yeah, whatever, whatever. But as soon as he knows that it's her, it's, mm-hmm. he, he's there. You know, that that's good enough reason to come back. Yeah, and I, I will share my uh, thoughts uh, my, before the Pike stuff happened. And um, we, well, the first time that I watched the episode, we had the scene where you, uh, on the alien planet, where like they're oh, walking, yes, yes. where they're walking down a corridor, they find everything, and because it was like twenty-first century sort of my uh, like area, like corridors, lighting. A part of me when I first watched it, it was like, oh no, what are we doing? What are we doing now? Uh, like because I was like, don't change things too much. But then as soon as we knew it was on an alien planet, I was like, of course, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because you've got a planet that are at a similar point in time as what we are, so why would it not yeah. look a bit like what Earth would? Yeah, I was the same in that first minute where you're just like, what's happening here? What is going on here? And it's like, oh, okay. I felt like vibes of like Enterprise, stuff like that when I was watching that by the end of it. Very so, much oh, That's so. a good beginning. Very, very much so. And also then we cut to the first time that we see the intro sequence. It's amazing, isn't it? I think we said that six months ago, but it's brilliant. It's so great. And it's bang on what a Star Trek intro should be. I know we haven't 
always had like voiceover on anything except TNG and TOS. But mm-hmm. that kind of harkens back to the original Star Trek and reestablishing that the Enterprise does it. It just keeps on going out on five-year missions. Yeah. And then we get some beautiful scenes. And one of the scenes is very, is near enough shot for shot reminiscent of Voyager. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the, the, the scene where it's from, like on Voyager, it's like from like the asteroid floor looking up at Voyager swooping over. Yeah. And you get that. There's so many shots in that. And I'm just like, oh, that that looks like it's just such a homage to everything that come before. I agree. And it just feels like when you're watching that, that um, you just feel like with this series, real Star Trek fans like who care about the franchise are involved this time. It's not just big, you know, the big money producers who are just like, you know, we want this, we want that. It's like, no, like these people really seem to care and know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's very reassuring. Once again, you're saying about Enterprise feels, there's one shot of the the Enterprise in the intro sequence where like the ship kind of like pans down from like the right and then down and it reminded me so much of a shot of the NX-01 in one of the things I was just like, yeah, this is ticking every box. It is Star Trek, this intro sequence. Oh, do you know one thing I will say, though, which I only really took in because I was, you know, too busy watching everything you've just said on all the episodes. But on episode six, I was like, do you know what? I'm going to look at some of the names who are actually involved in this show other than the actors, you know, just to see if it rings a bell or anything, mm-hmm. the amount of executive producers, I can't tell you any names, but I've never seen so many executive producers, mm-hmm. which uh, obviously just means to me that there's a lot of people that wanted to be involved and they must have all put different amounts of money in to to, to be part of this. But but yeah, watch it. Next time you watch an episode, just look at how many producers there are. It's crazy. I've never seen that on a TV show that much. No, I uh, I will uh, check that out. And and the thing is, if it's the same sort of it, with Discovery, I would say there's too many cooks in the kitchen. However, it looks like they've got the recipe right on this one. Yep, it it definitely seems that way. Um, you know, I was sort of borderline in tears watching episode six. There's so many like sad parts that just really oh yeah make you feel some feelings there. Oh, definitely. On the next scene, we cut to Vulcan and we get the Tapring and and Spock uh, relationship beginnings here. She actually becomes a little bit more likable in this program than what mm-hmm. little we've seen of her in the past. Exactly. That's the thing, because how many times do we see her other than like a mock time? Is it just, is it just twice? I feel like it's just twice. I can't remember off the top of my head. You know, some of these characters, you know, like you don't see them much, but they just become sort of legendary over time. Like people remember them because of the story that they were part of. Because with a mock time, we get that Spock was betrothed to Tapring and she's falling in love with someone else. And here you kind of get the beginnings of that relationship where they are in love. Yeah. They are going to get married. Spock's loyalty to his job, yeah, more than to her. Well, he wants to find a balance, doesn't he? But like, she's not really bothered about that balance. She's 
you know, doesn't really understand its loyalty to uh, Starfleet and whoever. Obviously, we're going to come back to uh, meet that again later on in the series. Yeah, some really good stuff with that. It does kind of start that, uh, like that treadmill of like seeing where that relationship goes wrong. And I, I'm really appreciating the subtlety in it, and also getting vibes of old Star Trek again. When uh, Spock is talking to, uh, to Supreme, I was getting images of Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, where yeah. he's answering uh, questions at the computer, and just the way that he was initially questioning and answering to Pring yeah just reminded me so much of that mm-hmm. sequence from star trek 4 yeah i don't think that's by accident again i think the people are really in touch with the franchise and everything that people have loved about the characters and they're making sure that that's coming across on screen and it does mm-hmm. yeah like i say i fully uh accept this guy now as as spock oh he's knocking it out of the park mm. Abs- uh, absolutely knocking it out of the park i would say that he is I would say he's my, uh, my second favourite spot. Yeah, same here now. Yeah. I didn't have a second favourite spot before. I suppose it would have been animated spot, maybe, from the animated series. Rather than the JJ Spocks. Yeah, oh, he just seems silly now in comparison, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. When you think of everything what's going on in those movies and then you compare it to what we're seeing here in Strange New Worlds where, we, you know, mm-hmm. obviously... Leonard Nimoy had a very unique face and look mm-hmm. and voice, you know, so, but the acting is spot on, spot on. Yeah, exactly. And also with, with Spock's relationship with Tupring, we, we get a couple of like um, little sentences in in this section, uh, as well as like we get it later on, just how the difference with their relationship compared to other Vulcans just because Spock is half human. Yeah. So he does he does feel things differently, even though we consider him as Vulcan as Vulcan can be. He, yeah. is, he is different in their eyes. It's like he can't win, isn't it? Which, like, you know, I'm sure that just mirrors how a lot of people feel in our time, you know, with, with race and stuff, mm-hmm. where that happens. Yeah, you know when you have two different parents of two different nationalities, and then you know in one area everyone's going to accept you as th- you know view you as this, and another area they're going to view you as this, and like you you just can't win. Yeah, so you got to feel for him. What well, which we do, we always have. Like that's always been there. Oh, absolutely. So then uh, Spock gets called from Pike to go and like come. He's being recalled because number one's gone missing, mm-hmm. and. Then we get that uh, initial, that obligatory first episode approaching the ship shot, which is yes, yeah, yeah, motion picture. Well, we get that in motion picture, and also we get that. Oh, yeah, in all sorts of but that's what I was thinking of when I saw it. Uh, I, I was, yeah, no, I was thinking of uh, Voyager Enterprise. Oh, it's a great start. They're, they're taking their time and doing everything right in the right order and everything. Mm-hmm. It feels good. Yeah, it really does. Uh, so, and that, it, they was on the shuttlecraft Stamets, and I thought, mm, I, I, I 
don't know how they feel about naming the shuttlecraft after someone that's only just gone missing. Is that what it's supposed to I didn't even take that in, but is that what that's supposed to be, then? Yeah, it's called the shuttlecraft Stamets. Oh, did not take that in at all. But then we're introduced to uh, Lieutenant Leon Noonien Singh. How do you pronounce her first name? Is it not Leon? Is it Leon? Leon? No, I don't, I don't know. I'm I, just asking you. Because um, when they said it, it was so quick. Yeah, no, I think it's Leon. But yeah, with that character, when I first saw her name before we even saw the program, I was like, oh, do they really need to do that? Do they need to go there? And I'd say maybe the answer is no, but I do like the character a lot. I do like the character. And also, the, uh, my first time around, I was like, my, I had to rewind it. I was like, was that Noonien Singh or Noonien Soon? Yeah, same. I was like, don't, don't go back to the uh, the data mine already. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, so she's it, this person has got history to her heritage. Yeah. Yeah, they do a good job of trying to get a, a backstory in there a bit on the very first episode, letting mm-hmm. you know that she's not had the best of paths. She's not the most stable person, but she's determined and hardworking and stuff. It's a good character. And also, I when they I know we're skipping ahead here, but I um that's all right. I thought they done well with her backstory of like when they said like her and her family and her ship right were captured by the Gorn, and basically yeah. everyone except her was slaughtered and used as breeding sacks. I think mm. I, either food or breeding sacks, and I was just like, how? How gross are the Gorn? They need, like, carcasses of someone to, like, lay their eggs in or something. Yeah, it's disgusting and, yeah, just horrible. It kind of really... I, but I liked it. I It fleshed out the Gorn. It was like, oh. Totally. And I'm kind of glad that they didn't show them as well. Which, mm-hmm. it, if they do in future, that's fine. But I like the way that they did that. They just let her tell the story, you know. Yeah, exactly. You could just see it in her eyes and her voice, how horrible it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of reasserts that the Gorn are these horrible monsters mm. that will just uh, take everything from you. Once once they catch you, anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> once they finally catch up with you. <laughs> that much is true. So, but no, I, I did appreciate that when they come back later. Yeah. And also we find that uh, number one was on the ship that rescued her. That's right, yeah. I think she said number one was a lieutenant at the time. And yeah. he was the one that kind of gave her the support and the means to cope with what she had been through and in, it like inspired her to join Starfleet. Yeah, I like that. That's very cool. All through Discovery, we was big fans of number one. Yeah, she's very good in that role, that actress. She's just right as well, just like, uh, just like the captain. Mm-hmm. Fits straight in. So then we cut to uh, just like a brief scene, just which we spoke about very briefly already, I think, uh, just where uh, Spock and Pike are catching up and having like an, like how are things with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think neither of them are really entirely opening up 100% about what happened. Yeah. And like how they're dealing with it. They're both just dealing with it in their own way. Yeah. I like their interactions, these characters. like They've already had a chance to do that on the other program, but uh, they work very well together. Oh, they really do. 
Then we get to go to the bridge. We meet. Is it at that point we meet Lu uh, Lieutenant Uhura? Uh, no, not Lieutenant Cadet Uhura. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. As well as um, is it Ortigas? Ortigas. Yeah, Lieutenant Ortigas and uh, Lieutenant Mitchell mm -hmm. as well. So we we're actually getting to know their names immediately. Yeah. Immediately, we're meeting the crew. How weird is that? They're not supposed to have names. <laughs> this is really strange. No, we're not meant to know anyone except the captain. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad about that. It's the right way to do it. That's the way they should all do it. You know, like... Mm -hmm. it's, it's just silly doing it the way that they chose to do it with uh, Discovery, like... Doesn't make any sense. You've got to tell people who these people are. Exactly, and through that, we know after watching like the uh, the few coming episodes, up all of those characters are getting a chance to shine. Yeah, you got to do that. You got you got to give them time to 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 let us know who they are. Give them their own stories in each episode. But for a first episode, for only like fifty minutes or less. Mm -hmm. they do a very good job of at least giving you a brief of like this is who this person is this is basically where they've you know you know we're hearing what the the crew is hearing like they're they're mm -hmm. meeting some of them are meeting each other for the first time so we're witnessing that and it it, it works great here yeah exactly and when i first knew that there was going to be an ahura i wasn't keen but I think this actress does a brilliant job. Yeah, my my first thought was like, oh, here we go with the JJ stuff again. Yeah, and it's not that. It's not that. Uh, she, she works very well, this actress. Exactly, and uh, with timeline wise, we, we've never known how long Avura has actually served on the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't disrupt the timeline whatsoever. That yeah, she had served on there longer than Kirk. Jim Kirk, anyway. Not yeah, Dave exactly. Kirk. <laughs> I can't even remember what his uh, first name was. No, I can't. I just want him to be Dave. You want it? Okay. Yeah. Call him Dave. Yeah. So at that point, they uh, set course for the... What's the name of the planet that they're going to? Oh, I, I didn't retain that. Kylie. Kylie 279. Ah. Yeah, so they, they've just gave it a designation because obviously they haven't made first contact yeah. with these people. So they go to where they found the warp signature. So you got to say, this, this storyline, it doesn't get much more Star Trek than this storyline, does it? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> and, and also another nod appreciated that the ship, that number one and the two scientists that were off doing sciencey things when they made first contact was the USS Archer. Oh, nice, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so I uh, appreciated that. But they find the USS Archer adrift in space, no one on board. I do wonder why there is no one on board, because it didn't seem like the planet didn't have teleportation um, needs. Like they, didn't, like, they didn't have the tech for teleportation. Unless, uh, did I not hear something like where, because... Because they, um, Enterprise was attacked unknowingly straight away by uh, the planet's defences, mm. 
I might have met because it was only because of Union Singh and Spot suggesting that they raise shields because there was no other signs of warp drive and they felt that it was uh, a bit suspect. If they hadn't raised shields, they would have been hit by, it was just plasma weapons, I think, which was... Yeah, something like that. Pike said was 21st century tech. Mm. So maybe the archers, like life support systems, have been affected, so they had to beam down, maybe? Yeah. They don't fully explain, but yeah, I think that's as good a guess as any. We'll go for that. Yeah. Right, yeah, it's, it's one of the things that isn't explained, but who's uh, who's to know? Yeah. Unless maybe it was explained and I just missed it. Yeah, yeah, it's possible we both missed it. Yeah, so, but uh, I might get it on a wa another watch for at some point because I have a feeling I will watch Strange New Worlds again at some point. I know I will. E even even that one, even though I've watched it, I think once I've watched the whole series, I will rewatch. Not immediately, but I will rewatch the whole thing. So then we just get another scene with Spock and Pike once again discussing things in his ready room or quarters, because that was when Pike offers uh, offers him sorry and brandy. Mm -hmm. That's when Spock then quizzes him about what he saw on the Klingon planet. Yeah. That's uh, that's when that comes in. When Uhura interrupts them to say that they've located the warp signature. Or maybe I've got that the wrong way around. Maybe that was before they got to the planet. That might have been before they got to the planet. Yeah, I've got that the wrong way around. Mm, doesn't matter. Don't worry. So they find that they're at the um, planet and they locate like a rough area where the mm -hmm. warp signature is coming from. And what they find is that it isn't actually a warp drive. This planet has developed a warp bomb. Yeah. And that is so reminiscent of like what, just look at our culture, we've got nuclear bombs. I know. It, I, I, I worry about it all the time. I know. Honestly, as soon as crap started going down with Russia, I once again yeah. just went back onto the thing of like, how far away from the blast radius of London am I? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay then. I'm at a place where it depends on how big the bomb is, but I should be okay as long as we take shelter because the fallout will get us. Yeah, instead of building a uh, studio shed thing, you should have been building a massive hole in the crowd. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, we, we're just on that edge of London. Well, fingers crossed doesn't get any crazier but it is can't go down this rabbit hole but it is getting crazier all the time oh it does every time i say like oh it's not going to do that it's not going to escalate to that it does yeah now it's it's scary it's scary that's for sure it is i just think just a word of advice to everyone just live your lives do all the things you really want to do in this life like as soon as you can that's my only advice that's why we're back podcasting Living the dream. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah you can thank Putin for trying. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, they find that there are uh, pre-warp civilization that are just having wars with neighboring factions and one has developed a warp bomb. And you, it, it takes us down to the planet where we see 
protesters and everything else. But once again, just this culture is very reminiscent of 21st century Earth. Totally, yeah. It's doing what Star Trek does best. It's holding a mirror up to society. Totally. And it's just really, really doing the classic, classic Star Trek here. It is, yeah, quintessential. Yep. And we get to, once again, they do something absolutely classic Star Trek. They're going to be going down, so they need to make themselves look like the inhabitants of that planet. Yeah. So they head to sickbay, and we first get introduced to uh, Nurse Chapel and the Doctor. Mbenga, do you pronounce it? Dr. Mbenga? I believe it. Um, yeah, it is Mbenga. Yeah. Yeah, it is Joseph Mbenga. I immediately liked both characters. Yeah, loved them. Loved them. Because Mbenga almost uh, reminded me a little bit in the sense of uh, like the characteristics of the the doctor from the cage and bones that sort of like old school doctor oh that doctor right um what, what was he called then well he was just an old boy in the cage i can't remember what his name was from that episode but just that sort of like old school was there not a doctor and benga from from some of the old episodes i don't think so i saw when i uh typed in like oh no you're right you're right strange new worlds like a character a, a, an old picture came up of another guy you are right he he was in the tos episode of private little war okay just one episode yeah ah, so that really is interesting because yeah. i i didn't re i didn't click on that this was a doctor that we have seen before he was in episode 16 of season two yeah, it'd be interesting to, to go and watch that back. And that's another good thing about these Strange New Worlds episodes. It immediately mm -hmm. made me think, like, I could go back and do a TOS watch now, and an Enterprise one as well. But definitely I, I could enjoy TOS in a different way now. Yeah. Like another layer to it. So apparently in that episode under James T. Kirk, in the event of Leonard McCoy's absence, he served as the ranking medical officer. So, so that is interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see whether that goes. I didn't click onto that whatsoever. Yeah, I really, I really like the character. Um, his story gets um, told a lot more in future episodes, so I won't talk about that now because I think we will be talking about that in future Trekmate episodes. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, he's in. They're both instantly likable and. Mm -hmm. They have a really funny scene, which you're probably going to get onto in a minute. Should I just say it now? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, where they um they do the Vulcan nerve pinch on a couple of uh, people from down on the planet, and they decide to beam them to the ship uh, because it's the safest place for them, like hoping that they'll stay unconscious. But of course, they don't. Um, they manage to get one of them back to sleep, but one of them just goes on a runner, and it's just it's a pretty funny scene. Uh, there's different ways that that could have played out, um, but uh, but the way it did play out was very funny. With Chapel just running around and then like eventually just waits for him outside the the lift which he's in with Ahura, and he's actually getting on with her after being scared shitless. Suddenly he's like at ease, and then just suddenly gets a you know a thing to the neck I or to the, to the neck. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, it was it was a great scene. Yeah. 
he and Benga, Doctor and Benga, like looks at the one that's still on the bed and just goes like, "Oh, you're my favourite." I'm sure he says that. <laughs> yeah, because you're just laying there, you're not causing any trouble. It's classic Trek humour, but also um, at the the exact same time, like that, there's some drama to it because she needs to get to that one that's running away because she needs his DNA to stabilise Spock's face thing, you know. Um, yeah. His disguise. Like, they need to try and transport that directly into him, and, and they manage to do it just in the nick of time as he's on, like, the eye scanner thing of the security uh, yeah. of the uh, building that they're going into. I loved that idea of transporting something that you would use a hypo spray for, transporting it into his nervous system rather than having to send down a hypo spray. Yeah. Whatever. I love that. And also... After, because they, um, yeah, obviously they've transformed themselves. They've gone down. But I also, one little piece that I actually appreciated was in the transporter room, the chief turns around and says uh, to Pike about ha having downloaded the uh, the aliens' clothing patterns so yeah. it will be ready <laughs> like, when they go down there. So it kind of, filled in that little blank of explanations of when TOS would just go into the transporter room in normal uniform and they'd beam down they'd be in like yep. 16th century garb yeah you've just filled in this entire little blank for us well done yeah yeah definitely appreciate that that is most appreciated I did like that oh, and you have to laugh as a an English viewer you have to laugh when uh, Spock's first line is like why am, I not, why am I not wearing any pants? Yeah. Because in America, you know, they say pants for trousers, but like to yeah. us, it's just like... Spock's going commando. Yeah. But in actual fact, yeah, he's just wearing shorts, like postman-style shorts, I guess. So after uh, Spock gets scanned, they go down, they find where number one and the scientists uh, that she was with are, and they manage to get them out. I appreciated uh, before they got in there, Leanne's uh, attempts uh, to distract the scientists that were going into the government building. Yeah. With, with, with her subtle, uh, like trying to tell Spock to give him a nerve pinch. Yeah. Like, his shoulder, his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> and just being like, come on, a bit quicker on the uptake, Spock. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. No, I appreciated that. And uh, when they uh, get number one out, they clarify, like, yeah, they've uh, made a um, warp bomb. Let's get out of here. And then it's when they're in the lift trying to get higher that number one says, like, how did they get this technology? And number one says, well, the people here aren't authorized to hear it. At which point they, it, he says, no, no time for that. Tell me. And mm. it turns out that they got that technology because they were close enough the shit show that happened on Discovery. Yeah, it's all Discovery's fault. Everything is Discovery's fault. Yeah. Every shit ever happened is yeah. yeah. So they uh, had telescopes large enough to be able to observe what happened and then like kind of engineer replications of warp drives. So rather than being at a point where they're ready to walk into space they are now 
using it as a bomb. Yeah, on each other. Yeah, on each other. So, well, I think it's only one of them has that technology. For now, yeah. For now, yeah, exactly. So at that point, they were just going to escape to the Enterprise, but Kirk decides that he has to... Oh, Kirk, Pike. It's easy to do, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it is very easy to do. Pike decides to stay with Spock and send everyone back to Enterprise. And at this point, Spock's uh, makeup genetic thing has fully failed him. So that the cover's completely blown. But uh, but yeah, he just knows his option is to literally say to them, take me to your leader. Yep. And then to try and explain to their leader, who seems like an absolute Tory by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who, the only reason why you've got that tech is because you saw something that you shouldn't have done. And we apologize. It's our fault. And they kind of, well, they, they try and brush him off, you know. Yeah, thanks a lot. But we're not really going to uh, not use it. it. It's our tech. We, it, we've we made it. So it's interesting that at that point, it, she, it, because she says, well, it, it, he draws the comparisons of... They just make a quick promotional video. Even oh, no, that was after. Hand. Yeah, that was after. Yeah. Because at that point, uh, she goes, like, surely there are people in outer space that you don't get on with either. Like, what uh, yeah. What do you... Uh, like, these rebels won't stop. Uh, what do you do out there? And she goes, as far as I'm concerned, the, the diplomacy doesn't work because he tries to encourage her to use diplomatic means to resolve issues. And she said, well, no, it's uh, whoever's got the biggest stick. Mm. And then Pike realizes that he has the biggest dong in the room. Yeah. And just as they're about to be taken away, does an emergency communications with the Enterprise to tell them to go into low orbit and reveal themselves. Yeah. So the Enterprise lowers itself into orbit and everyone craps ourselves at the realisation that there is life out there. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I think that's the sort of shit that we need in this, in our planet to really come together. Yeah, it'd be nice. Is that sort of realisation that we shouldn't be warring with each other. We should be working to go into space but knowing people they're just going to space to wipe out other things yeah yeah it is sad the time that we live in i i hope we see change in our lifetime but uh it'd be nice yeah i don't want to i don't want to think or talk about it too much no no so Which i've said before that's why i do a star trek podcast exactly because we can pretend that you know like it is actually going to get better one day it will do and not turn into something more like Blade Runner or Terminator 2 or something. Or Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's a, all those things are a lot more likely, unfortunately. But Unfortunately. But we can dream. Yeah, and we will continue to. They go back to the ship. They are watching that these two leaders of rival parties are finally in talks after the first time in so long. Yeah. Doesn't look like it's going too well. No. So Pike beams down. Right in the middle. Right in the middle. Gives him a uh, speech that gets broadcast out to the whole planet. Along with, as you said, a nice little uh, VT uh, package. Yeah. 
that they put together explaining that and also i appreciated this to see world war three yeah to see what happened on earth and then, <laughs> that, that's the shit we're talking about with right now with putin so yeah yes crazy absolutely crazy so it was uh and and to think this is uh this was made before any of the that crap was kicking off yeah it will have been yeah by the way i meant to ask at the beginning of this episode do we know how many series have been commissioned for strange new worlds i don't off the top of my head i would presume they've at least got a second series yeah it has give them a second series yes shits but i would hope we get at least three, but I'd like to think that we'd get seven. You know, the magic Star Trek number. They haven't said how many there'll be, but a second uh, season was commissioned. Cool. And is in production, expected to air next year. Very good, very good. So, yeah, so season two is coming at least. Yeah, so we get a nice, uh, arousing Picard-esque speech from him about... What, Archer? Or Archer, well, any of the captains, to be honest. Yeah. It was, a, it was a very poignant speech about Ravelin going through the same troubles that we went through. Exactly. Please learn from our mistakes, because there's a federation of planets out there waiting to welcome you. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very cool scene. Very Star Trek. Yeah. So he did go against General Order 1, which is like to not interfere Mm-hmm. with planets that haven't developed warp drive. However, because of the technical loopholes of them, for them to punish Pike for it, they would need to admit what happened with Discovery. And because they can't publicly do that, they can't mm. publicly tell Pike or the Enterprise off. Yeah, yeah, it's quite amusing. So Pike gets off with a loophole. Yeah. And that brings us pretty much to an end where they... And also then... They throw in the mind that... Prime Directive. Because Pike got off with a loophole, it's not General Order 1 now. It, it's considered the Prime Directive. And he just says, oh, that'll never stick or something like that. That'll never work. That, so they have to follow the Prime Directive now, so a nice yeah. little transition. Oh, definitely. Yeah, great, great ending. So that really does bring us to the end of the episode. And I'm, I, I really, really did enjoy this episode. Me too, and I, I'm happy to say that I really look forward to talking about more new Trek and <laughs> being able to be positive about yeah. it on this show. So happy for that. Because going forward, we felt that to get us back into the rhythm of podcasting and get back into the spirit of things, and also talking about new Star Trek, we're going to go through Strange New Worlds episode by episode for the next however many weeks. Why the hell not? Yeah. That's it. Let's do it. Because I we're enjoying the show, so why not share that? It's something that we haven't discussed with you guys. And also, we might take the odd uh, divergence uh, here and there, especially like with Christmas coming up and things like that. Oh, definitely. Christmas. We've tried not to today. We've tried to be, really behave ourselves for all mm-hmm. our uh, listeners who are big on Trek and not so big on our waffling about other stuff, but there will be some waffle coming back soon. But we'll try and... Yes, that's it. We're going to stick to Trek for a while. We're going to try and behave ourselves and give you... That's what you subscribe for. I know you don't come here just for the wrestling and Shemu talk, so... Yeah. 
I am going to go on a bit of a Back to the Future rant in uh, in future episodes, though, um, over Christmas. Uh, oh, absolutely. But I'll, I'll save that for now. I won't even say what I'm going to talk about. No, is no. I look forward to hearing more and more about it. Yeah. So, and uh, I won't remain people. Yeah, that's it. And yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to that. But I, I've really enjoyed talking about Star Trek that we've enjoyed. Me too. It's it's a really good feeling. Uh, I don't know what to compare it to right now. I feel invigorated. Yeah. It, it's been great to get back and also it'd be nice to hear your guys thoughts on what you felt on the first episode of strange new worlds and i i'm thrilled that i enjoyed it more even more the second time round because i enjoyed it the first time i watched it and then the second time round is like this series is so rewatchable it, well as I, i've said on this episode like i kept expecting there to be that episode or that moment where like oh it's going downhill now it's yeah <laughs> exactly but um no uh it, it's not common watching it again it's like you don't have to worry about it now it's like no this no. is actually really good you could just yeah yeah you really can <laughs> and i said i'm absolutely uh loving it so much yeah. so that i'm distracting you with my toy enterprise that i'm flying in front of the camera <laughs> oh it feels good it does and we will be back again i will no no i always say we'll be back next week and then we end up taking months off but no i'm gonna we're gonna try and stick to it we're gonna try and get back to a regular rhythm we'll talk about it off mic and uh and sort out our next date but we'll do something very sick we'll try and get back on a weekly basis yeah yeah if we can get as close to that as possible definitely yeah i'm happy with exactly that. so once again thank you so much for being patient with us yeah cheers guys for hanging with us uh, because uh you guys listening uh, does mean the world to us because me and jude like to just sit here and talk shit with each other anyway but having yeah. you guys listen and chime in uh means the world to us yeah we're very grateful Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so you know what? I'm I'm gonna um I'm gonna say goodbye first because it feels so good to be back and be back on track, mate. But I want to hear a Wayne Emery like sign out rather than oh, doing fair it. Enough. I do enjoy doing okay. it myself, but you know, like I started, you know, as a listener of this show before I became a host. So, so yeah, I've been Jude Hawkins and I've been Wayne Emery, and that was Trek Mate. Yay! Down on the planet, you took a shot to your heart Woke up in the ever after, cause Q did his part That's okay, your heart was artificial Cause years ago you lost it when you didn't play official Humans playing dumb job Just some humans playing dumb job Humans playing dumb job The Nausicaan way Chance to do it over, Q doesn't fight fair. But he owed you a favor, sent your derriere. Me up with Gordon and your friend named Marty. Also, this time you could circumvent the party. 
Captain Jean-Luc Picard, and yes, I am bald. In the future there is no cure for baldness, and I am proof of that. But in the future it's also very stylish to be bald, because everyone knows who's in charge. Me, the captain, Jean-Luc Picard. Ha-ha! Make it so. T. Earl Grey, hot. <laughs>